vision statement uh, this morning. As Linda said, when you came in this morning, I'm sure you noticed some different things, some guest signage, guest parking spaces, uh, the new logo, the bulletin had the logo and the vision statement. Uh, When you go outside the main doors of the sanctuary, to the left will be your mission statement, to the right will be our vision statement. And we did that, we wanted to make sure that we kept the mission and the vision in front of us as a church. And how this came about was from a vision retreat we had last December. And one of the main goals and emphasis of that vision retreat was the desire to rebrand as a church. There was a desire to to update our logo and update our vision statement and to create a mission statement which we have not had. And crafting a vision statement, crafting a mission statement, coming up with a logo, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of planning, it takes a lot of prayer. And we as a staff have been praying over and working on this since the beginning of this year. So what you see today is a culmination of the past 10 or 11 months. And I want to share with you what God has shown us. Because we as a staff believe that the logo that was created and the vision and mission statement that we have crafted under the leadership of the Holy Spirit are God's desire for Red House Baptist Church. And this morning, I want to talk about what our vision and mission statements are, why they are important, what do they mean, and how the logo ties in to our vision statement. But the first question I want to answer is why a vision statement? Why do we need a vision statement? Because a vision statement defines the primary reason as to why an organization exists. A vision statement describes where an organization is going. It describes what an organization is striving for and what it looks like when we get there. It guides the work of a company or an organization. Here's some examples of vision statements. Here's a hotel chain's vision statement. Delivering comfort and hospitality whenever you travel. When you travel, you want to stay in a place that is comfortable and hospitable. Now, I've been guilty of not putting my family in comfortable and hospitable locations because of cost. I'll admit that. When it comes to hotels, I've been a cheapskate. I'm thinking we're staying there six hours getting up the next morning. What's the big deal? But I've learned over time it is a big deal, and it does matter to my family. So I've I've, I've gone a little more to the comfort and hospitality, but, but that's a great vision statement for a hotel. IKEA says to create a better everyday life for many people with a desire to offer low-priced goods and furnishings that fit everyone's lifestyle. I'm not so sure they're staying within their vision statement with the instructions that come with their furniture. It turns your life into a nightmare. Nike, bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete with the disclaimer, if you have a body, you are an athlete. I feel so empowered by this statement because I've been accused of being a lot of things. One thing I've never been accused of is being an athlete. So I thank Nike for finally recognizing my gifts and abilities and talents as an athlete. But in the past, when I was growing up, no one cared about sneakers. They were just another piece of sports equipment. But Nike saw a future that had not yet existed. They delivered products that inspired and motivated others, and it turned into a multi-billion dollar industry. And notice they consider everyone an athlete. It's clever, and it's inclusive. McDonald's 
to be the best quick service restaurant experience. Being the best means providing outstanding quality, service, cleanliness, and value so that we make every customer and every restaurant smile. And I know you have your own opinion about whether or not McDonald's is staying true to this vision. Bucky's smiles for all your miles. Google to provide access to the world's information in one click. Everything these organizations do, everything that we do as a church needs to be supported and fit into our vision statement. And the first thing we should do when we're planning something as a church, when we're looking to doing something, is that this support our vision statement. And if we're planning to do something that does not support our vision statement, then we probably don't need to do it. And a vision statement needs to be clear. It needs to be concise. It needs to be something that can easily be remembered. Because the vision statement is the basis of everything else we do. It gives direction. It's key to strategic planning. It helps us work toward our goals. It communicates our value and our purpose and the commitment that we have to accomplishing our goals. It needs to be shared and displayed and kept in front of us. And as Red House Baptist Church, our vision statement should reflect our desire and influence our strategy of changing lives and impacting people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should impact everything we do. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, if the church has no vision to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, people will perish, and so will the church. Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. You see, vision is just not about reaching a goal. It's about fulfilling God's desire for the church. Understanding this is not my church. This is not our church. This is His church. And we need to seek His direction. We need to follow His guidance. And as we do the work of ministry, we should continually ask God to align our vision with the vision that He has for us. You see, without a vision statement, it's easy to veer off course. It's easy to lose focus on our goals and our priorities. So what is our vision statement? To gather prayerfully, to grow purposefully, and to go passionately. Everything we do as a church needs to fall under this vision statement. But not only do we need a vision statement, we need a mission statement. Both a vision statement and vision statement are equally important, but there is a difference between them. A mission statement describes what an organization does, while a vision statement explains what an organization attempts to achieve. In other words, the mission statement is how an organization plans to pursue its vision. It's a roadmap that guides an organization to accomplish its vision. How does McDonald's plan to accomplish its vision of making the, the best, to have the best fast food experience? Well, it says to make delicious, feel-good moments easy for everyone. Now, they probably delivered that with the fries. They probably delivered that with the coffee and the mochas they serve. And I'm here to say they even did it with the McRib. You may disagree. And I'm sad to see this is it. This is going after this. But McDonald's, how do they accomplish their vision? They say, we want to make everyone feel good when they come in our restaurant. 
How does Bucky's accomplish its vision? Here's their mission to keep it clean, to keep it friendly, to keep it in stock. They pride themselves on cleanliness. They have billboards touting the cleanliness of their restrooms. You know, and when you're traveling, it's important to have a clean restroom. I found that too after being married. It's important to have a clean restroom, and Bucky's has delivered. But like any company, both our vision statement and mission statement, they have to align with our core values. And what are our core values? Our core values come from only one place, and that's the Word of God. Our vision statement is based on the five ministries of the church. If you go to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 42 to 47, that's where we find the five uh, ministries of the church. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, missions, ministry. Our mission statement is based on the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as your self. So how are we going to achieve the five ministries of the church of, of gathering and growing and going? We're going to achieve it by knowing Jesus and making Him known by loving God and loving others. And we can't do this on our own. The only way we can accomplish the vision by fulfilling the mission that God has given us is in Jesus' name. It's not in my name, it's not in your name, it's not in my power, it's not in your power, it's only in the name and the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. Everything the Apostle Paul did was in Christ. Everything Paul did was in the name of Jesus. And everything we do as a church needs to be in the name of Jesus. And the passage of Scripture that will give us greater insight and to helping us unpack our vision statement that comes from Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Let me read that for you. Paul writing to the church at Colossae, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. I have become its minister according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known to those among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in in verses 24 to 27, the suffering that Paul is referring to in his, is, is his present imprisonment from which he wrote the book of Colossians. And his imprisonment can be found in Acts chapter 28. And Paul is letting it be known that suffering, that sacrifice is unavoidable in bringing the gospel of Jesus to the world. And when you look at Paul's life, you look at the sacrifices he made, you look at the suffering that he went through. Why? to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to build the kingdom of God. And he can enjoy the suffering that he endured joyfully. Why? Because the suffering that he endured, it changed lives, it built the church, and it brought people into the kingdom of God. Paul could rejoice in his suffering because through his suffering, he fulfilled his ministry of the gospel. 
by revealing the mystery of the gospel. And he tells us in the passage we just read, what is the mystery of the gospel? He said the mystery of the gospel is this, Christ in you, the eternal hope of glory. Paul is saying what was promised in the Old Testament, the coming of the Messiah, came to fruition in the New Testament. And I want to tell you about this Messiah. You see, Christ indwelling all believers at the moment of our salvation is the mystery of the gospel. And it is our eternal hope. And if we want to represent Christ, if we want to build His kingdom, if we want to serve His church, we must be willing to suffer for His name. And like Paul, our desire should be for all people to be indwelt by Christ and have the internal hope of glory. So how are we going to reveal this mystery of the gospel that Paul has revealed to us in verses 24 to 27? Let's look at verse 28. And this is where we get our vision statement and this is the crux of our message this morning. He said, Paul said, We proclaim Him, meaning Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So the first thing we need to do in Jesus' name in order to reveal the mystery of the gospel is this. We are to gather prayerfully to celebrate Jesus. We are to gather prayerfully to celebrate Jesus. Paul said we are to proclaim Him. The word proclaim means to publicly declare a completed truth or happening. And any time we gather together as a church or a ministry of the church, we should be willing to openly and publicly and boldly declare the, the name of Jesus, who not only spoke truth, but who is the truth. And we proclaim the truth of Jesus two ways when we gather together. We do it through worship and fellowship. When we gather for worship on Sunday morning, on Sunday nights, and our revival coming up, we should not hold back in our worship for Jesus. Jesus did not hold back in giving His life for us. And we shouldn't hold back in giving our praise to Him. It's okay to lift your hands in worship. It's okay to lift your voice in worship. It's okay to clap in worship. It's okay to get excited about Jesus. A, fun a worship service shouldn't be a funeral. A worship service should not be dead. A worship service should be alive because Jesus is alive. And if we can't get excited about coming together and worshiping the name of Jesus in our church with other believers, how are we going to go into a world who is hostile to Jesus and worship Him? If you can't get excited about Jesus in church, I promise you, you're not going to get excited about Him outside of church. Not only are we to gather for worship, we're also to gather for fellowship within the church and outside the church. In the church, we tried to, to, to emphasize fellowship over these past few months. In the summer, we had fellowship on Sunday nights. We had just had our fall picnic. We had a block party in May. We had a July 4th celebration. This coming week, we're having a Thanksgiving dinner that you don't want to miss. These are great times of fellowship. These are necessary for us to come together to fellowship, but also to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. But we're also to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus outside the church. When ministries get together outside the church, when Sunday school classes or Bible study classes get together outside the church and fellowship, they are to be an example of Jesus to others. You see, we're just not to, to worship Jesus with our words, 
We are to worship Jesus with our lives. Romans 12.1, Paul said, Be a living sacrifice. Ephesians 4.1, he said, We are to be worthy of the calling we have received. Philippians 1.27 said, uh, Paul said, We are to be worthy of the gospel. When I was growing up, every time I would leave to go on a church trip, my parents would always tell me this. Now remember, you're representing your family. You're representing your church. Most importantly, you're representing Jesus Christ. When we are outside the walls of the church, we take Jesus with us because He dwells within us. And because we take Jesus with us and because He is in us, we need to represent and reflect Jesus. And when we fellowship together outside of the church, our worship of Him should not change simply because our surroundings have changed. We should never stop worshiping God, whether we're inside the church or outside the church. And through worship and fellowship, we are called to come together as the body of Christ to proclaim the name of Jesus. How do we gather? We gather prayerfully. We gather for the purpose of expressing thanks to God as our object of worship. And when we gather prayerfully in the name of Jesus... We are celebrating Jesus. We are showing gratitude and thankfulness to God for who He is, for what He's done for us, and for what He is doing for us. And we have so much to be thankful for. As we enter this season of Thanksgiving, I'm sure as you reflect on the blessings of God throughout your life and throughout this year, I would assume the list would be endless when you start thinking of the blessings of God. And because of how God has blessed us, we should desire to celebrate Him with our worship and do it prayerfully and thankfully. You see, God and God alone is the only one to whom we should express things. He is the only one that should be the object of our worship and praise as He is the only one who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. Anthony, if you show the logo... You know, this logo also ties into our vision statement. You see the red church. Why the red church? Well, we're Red House. It made sense to have a red church. But it's more than that. Believe me, there's a little more to it than that. I'm not the brightest kid on the block. There's a little more to it than that. The, the red church, you know what it reminds us of? That we're to gather together as the body of Christ because of what Jesus did for us when he went on Calvary. That's what the red church represents. And why do we gather together? For the purpose of worship and the purpose of fellowship. Hebrews 10 says this, 23 and 25. It says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews says we need to be committed to gathering together faithfully and prayerfully for the purpose of encouraging one another in our faith and growing in our faith. And I want to encourage you I want to encourage us as a church to be committed together together prayerfully for times of worship, for times of fellowship, 
for the purpose of giving thanks to God and celebrating Jesus. The second thing I want to point out is we want to fulfill our our vision statement. We must do it in the name of Jesus. Why? So we can grow purposefully to conform to Jesus. Not only are we to celebrate Jesus, we're to conform to Jesus. He says in, in the middle of verse 28, he says, We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That word admonish means to counsel in view of, of sin and the coming judgment. Paul knew what was going to happen to those who didn't put their faith in Christ. He knew they were going to face eternal judgment because of their sin. And Paul is encouraging the Christians at Colossians to warn people, to teach people about the truth of Jesus and the truth of His Word and to impart positive truth into their lives. He is encouraging the church at Colossae to teach others about Jesus, to warn them about the coming judgment unless they turn from their sin and turn to Christ. And as a church, as followers of Christ, we must be willing to teach people about the love of God and also warn them about the wrath of God. You see, people love to hear about the love of God, but they don't want to hear about the wrath of God. But here's the problem. If you don't understand the love of God, you're going to face the wrath of God. And our job as a church is to communicate the scriptural truths that God has given to us. And when we teach others about God and His Word, we are to do it with wisdom so they can grow in their knowledge of God. As a church, we are to help people understand who God is, who they are, and what God expects of them. We are to teach others what the Word of God actually says and not what we want it to say or they want it to say. We are not to add to God's Word or take away from God's Word. God's Word is perfect as it is written because He is perfect. And when we teach God's Word, we grow and help others grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are not going to grow in Christ if all you do is come to church on Sunday morning. It's not going to happen. Can you imagine if an athlete practiced one to two hours a week? They would fail miserably. They live a life of dedication to their sport if they want to succeed. And in the same way, we need to live a life of dedication to God if we want to be successful in our relationship with Him. So if you want to grow in Christ, you have to do it purposefully. If you want to grow as a believer and mature in your faith, you have to take the initiative to immerse yourself in your relationship with Christ. It's not going to happen automatically. As Paul said in Philippians 2.12, he said, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning we need to spend time daily with God through prayer and the reading of His Word. And we need to make sure that Scripture is part of our daily life and just not on Sunday. And we must read the Bible and study it with purpose. We need to learn as much about God's Word as we can because the more we know about God, the more we can become like Him. That's why it's so important to join a group of like-minded believers. That's why Bible study classes and Sunday school classes are so important. That's why Wednesday night discipleship classes are important. That's why one-on-one -on -one discipleship and accountability are important. It's just not for the fellowship, but it's for the, that these opportunities are important for us if we want to grow as believers. Someone said you become like the five people you hang around. 
Some of you are already thinking, I'm in trouble. But think about who you hang around the most. Because this is more than likely who you're going to become. And if you want to become like Jesus, you need to hang around those who are living for Jesus. You know, throughout, the, throughout Paul's writings, he kept telling people, imitate me. Imitate me. It wasn't because Paul was, had an ego. It wasn't because Paul was prideful. He was saying, imitate me. Why? Because I am imitating Christ. You need to surround yourself with people who are imitating Christ. And if they are imitating Christ, you want to imitate them. You need to be around people who are strong in their faith and growing in their faith so they can help you grow in yours. We also grow purposely by serving others. We grow in Christ when we serve others for Christ. And we have many opportunities to serve at Red House Baptist Church. In your bulletin, we made a list of ministry teams that we have that you can be a part of whenever you want to be a part of them. And what we want people to do is, is to be part of a ministry team. If you come to Red House Baptist Church, we want you to serve. And you have a list. You can be part of the audiovisual ministry team. I'd encourage you have some knowledge of audiovisual equipment, but that's between you and the Lord. Uh, building ministry. What's the building ministry? They take care of the inside of the church. The AC units, the heating units, the windows, all those kind of repairs. There's the decorating team. There's the welcome team, which was formerly our greeting team. You saw them this morning. We have grounds team, a hospitality ministry that help provide food for the events, and they do an incredible job providing Wednesday night meals and helping with events. There's the in time of need ministry, which provides meals for the family of a deceased church member. We have a missions ministry, and we allocate funds from our missions fund and how we're going to use them to support different ministries and missions. The Adopt-A-School, we started with Glenn Marshall, was approved by our missions team. The, the partnership we have with Redeeming Grace Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, was, was approved by our missions team. We gave money to help uh, supply the food for the Madison Central High School Marching Band a couple of weeks ago. We're about to, to give some money to Glenn Marshall to help provide gift cards so families can have a Thanksgiving. Missions is important. And I'm so thankful that Red House is a church that supports missions and, and does missions well. We have a recreation ministry. If you love recreation, we have a team that, that helps plan our recreation events. We have a security and safety ministry that while we're meeting for worship or other events are going on in our church, they are making sure that we're safe. We have an upward basketball and cheerleading ministry and Mike would love to have your help. We have over 450 kids in upward basketball and cheerleading. We have oh, maybe a little over 100 cheerleaders and over 350 basketball players. There's nothing else this church can do for eight consecutive weeks to bring hundreds and hundreds of people through our doors each week like upward basketball. And we as a church need to embrace this ministry and help this ministry. Because what an opportunity we have when that many people, many who don't know Christ, are coming to our building. And just being a presence here and starting conversations with people, inviting them to church having opportunities to share the gospel. They'll be here eight hours on Saturday from about nine to five. 
And I encourage you, if you have some free, free time, to come and wear, wear Red House shirts and just start talking to people. They'll talk to you. They're not going to bite you, I promise. And we have a captive audience here when we have Upward because they're here for basketball, but they, they don't know we want them here to hear about Jesus. And that's the purpose. We also have van maintenance. If you don't know how to work on vans, I encourage you not to be part of this ministry, but I would not be a viable candidate for the van maintenance team. We have a van ministry that if you want to help people uh, get to church by, riding the, by driving the van or being a, uh, someone who assists with that, we need help in those areas. We want every person who is part of Red House to serve in the area in which God has gifted them. And what we want you to do, maybe today or maybe next week, we want you to check which ministry you want to be a part of. And put your name and phone number and email so we can get in touch with you and have that, team, uh, that ministry team leader get in touch with you. Because I know they would love for you to be part of their team. These are teams that everyone can be a part of at Red House Baptist Church. And if you want to be a part of these teams, we encourage you to do so. Because we want every member serving. And you may say, well, I don't know my spiritual gifts. Because we do want you to serve in, in which you've been spiritually gifted. So how do you know your spiritual gifts? You can take a survey, which we're working to have it online, or you can go to Lifeway and, and you can find their spiritual gifts survey. Where we have a spiritual gifts class on Wednesday night. You find your spiritual gifts by the affirmation of others. Someone may say, hey, I think you would be good at that. And then you try it and you found out that's how God has wired you. Or maybe you find out where you need to serve by serving in different areas and serving what you like and don't like. You may serve with children and you say, there ain't no way I'm doing that. That may not be your gift. But one of the worst things you can do is serve in an area that doesn't fit your spiritual gift. Because then you're putting a square peg in a round hole. It just won't fit. And churches have a tendency to do this, to fill, to simply fill a position. And there's people in church who, who see a need and they just can't say no. But you know what? You need to serve in areas in which God has gifted you. And through your spiritual gifts, God will empower you to serve Him and impact the lives of others in the process and grow in Him. And why should we purposely grow in Christ? Why should we desire to grow in Christ so we can conform to the image of Christ and become like Him? Romans 8.29 says this, For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. Scripture says that those who've given their life to Christ, God has led them to do so for the purpose of being conformed to the image of Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 14 and 16 says, says this, it says, Therefore, get your minds ready for action being self-disciplined and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Scripture makes it very clear that our lives are to be a direct representation of Jesus. But the only way we can be conformed to Christ 
is if we're completely committed to Christ. You see, individual growth leads to church growth. And church growth leads to kingdom growth. And if we want to see our church grow, if we want to see the kingdom of God grow, we have to grow individually. The kingdom of God can't grow if churches don't grow. And churches can't grow if followers of Christ aren't growing. But who does the growing? Who grows the church? Who grows the kingdom of God? It's Christ through us. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. But here's the catch. Christ can't grow the kingdom of God. Christ can't grow the church through us if we're not willing to conform to Christ by growing in Christ. If you want the church to grow spiritually and physically, if you want to grow spiritually, I mean, if you want the kingdom to grow, you need to grow individually as a believer and follower of Jesus. And I want you to look at our logo again and and notice something else. The cross is in the center of our logo. What does this mean? This means that Christ is to be head of the church. It means that Christ is to be the center of the church. It's not about the staff. It's not about the deacons. It's not about the ministry teams. It's not about the members. It's about Jesus. If Christ is not the center of Red House Baptist Church, anything we do will be done in vain. And the only way we can accomplish our mission and fulfill our vision is if Christ is the center of our church and the center of our lives. Individually and corporately, we have to be about the gospel. We have to be about the cross. We have to be about Jesus. And if we who are in Christ or about Christ, we will grow in Christ and we will conform to Him. So I want to challenge you to not only gather purpose or gather prayerfully, but also to grow purposefully so we can conform to the image of Jesus last thing I want to share is we need to go passionately to confess Jesus. Look at the end of Colossians 1.28. He says this, We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present every, everyone mature in Christ. Why do we proclaim the gospel? Why do we teach about Jesus? Paul said, so that we may present everyone mature or perfect or complete in Christ. Paul's desire was to see everyone become a follower of Christ and grow in their relationship with Him. And like Paul, our desire should be that everyone comes to know Jesus. And the only way this is going to happen is if we are passionate enough about Jesus to share Him with others. And I want you to notice that there's a natural progression in our vision statement. Because when we gather prayerfully in Christ, we will grow purposefully in Christ. And when we grow in Christ, we will go go passionately for Christ. Romans 10, Paul wrote this in Romans 10, 14 to 15. He said this, How can they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How can they believe without hearing about Him? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how welcome are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Paul's saying it's up to us to take the gospel to others. It's up to us to teach others and admonish others. And by teaching them that salvation is only available by grace through faith in Christ, we're warning them that without Christ they are destined to eternal separation from God. And as Christ works in us, we are to tell others about Him. We are to share Jesus through missions and and doing ministry. You know, some of the things we've done, I've already mentioned. We've adopted Glenn Marshall. We have our Cincinnati partnership with Redeeming Grace. We had the Compassion Project uh, the first weekend of October. We've been involved with the BCM. We did Light the Night, which was our, our, instead of doing track or treat, we had seven or eight neighborhoods where, where people from our church passed out flashlights and passed out candy and had people register for a gift basket. For what purpose? For the purpose of having one-on-one gospel conversation and seeing who is interested in our church. So much more effective when we can have those one-on-one conversations. So much more effective when we can get outside the walls of our church and be in our community. And I know Joni and I in our neighborhood, we did it uh, a week ago Saturday when our neighborhood had their trick-or-treating. We had about 25 families fill out cards. I think I mentioned this last Sunday night. We had five of those families who wanted more information about our church. 20% of those who filled out cards wanted more information. That's a pretty good percentage in today's culture. And we were able to have conversations with people about Red House. We should also personally share Jesus through evangelism. And one of my desires for us as a church and for each of us is to become more evangelistic in 2023. Whether that's through door-to-door visitation or doing sermon series or having a Bible study focus. Or maybe having a greater presence at community events where we wear Red House shirts or, or polos. But here's the thing. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point in our Christian life, in the life of our church, where we're passionate enough about Jesus. I don't think we could ever be passionate enough about Jesus. Because I think if we ever get to the point where we lose our passion for Jesus, this is the moment we've stopped growing in Christ. And the more you know Christ, the more you grow in Christ, the more you'll be passionate about Christ and desire to share Him with others. You see, the goal of ministry is not merely to win people to Jesus, but it's to bring them to spiritual maturity in Jesus. And through this, when we bring others to Christ and help them grow spiritually, they'll be able to reproduce their faith in others. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men or, or people who will be able to teach others also. To be complete, to be mature, is to be like Christ. And this is something that Jesus desires of every person. But in order for someone to become like Jesus, they first have to know Christ. And this is where we are commissioned by Christ to confess Him boldly and unashamedly to others. Jesus gave us the great commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, Go therefore to all nations, baptizing them, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you to the end. In Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. You see, if we want to gather prayerfully and grow purposefully, we should desire to go passionately so others can experience the love in Jesus that we have. I want you to notice one more thing about our logo. Once you notice the top has an opening. At the top of the cross has an opening and, and actually forms an arrow. And what does this symbolize? It symbolizes the fact that we are not to keep Jesus to ourselves or inside the walls of our church. It symbolizes the fact that we are to go out into the world and share Jesus with others. We are to be outward focused and not just inward focused and take the gospel and take Jesus to the world. And do it passionately. In conclusion, in verse 29, Paul said this. He said, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Paul said, I labor for this. The word for labor is the same word for striving. It means maximum effort. And the Greek word used is the word from, from which we get our word agonize. And Paul is saying he was so passionate about people coming to know Christ that he was willing to work to the point of exhaustion. He's saying that he was not leaving anything on the table. He's saying that he was all in. That he was willing to do whatever it took and that nothing mattered more to him than to see others come to know Christ and grow in Christ. And if we want to be successful in serving the Lord, and if we want to be the church and the believers that God wants us to be, we need to do like Paul. We need to exert maximum effort and give it all for the sake of the gospel. You see, Jesus gave his all for us, and we need to give our all for him. And the only way Paul said that he could give maximum effort was not through his own strength, was not through his own power. He said it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Into verse 29. Through his strength that works powerfully in me. And I think this goes along with Galatians 2.20 when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me and thy life I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, God through his Spirit gave Paul the strength to work hard in serving Him and living for Him. And as followers of Jesus, we do live, but we need to recognize that it is Christ who lives in us and empowers us to carry out the vision He has given us. And if we are going to gather prayerfully and grow purposefully and go passionately, we can't do it on our own. We must do it in Jesus' name. How? by fulfilling our mission statement, by knowing Jesus and making Him known, by loving God and loving others. And today I want to challenge you to commit to our vision, to gather prayerfully, to grow purposefully, and to go passionately, by desiring to know Jesus and make Him known by loving God and loving others. Let's pray.
Father, we just come before you right now and just thank you for your word and thank you for your truth. Father, I just thank you for the vision that you've given us as a church. And Father, I pray that it would be our desire, Father, to gather together prayerfully as a body of believers. Father, I pray that that would be our desire to grow purposefully, Father, so that we can conform to Christ. Father, I pray that it would be our desire to go passionately to confess Christ, to share Christ with others. And Father, I pray that we would understand that we can't do this in our own strength. This can only be done in the name and the power of Jesus. And Father, I pray that we as a church would understand the way that we can gather, grow, and go is simply by loving you and by loving others, by making your name known. And Father, I pray that would be the desire of everyone who's part of Red House Baptist Church. Father, I pray that we would have the desire that Paul had to do what it takes, Father, to see people to come to know you and to grow in you. And Father, we just thank you for this passage of Scripture this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. And Father, may we do whatever it takes to achieve the vision that you've given us. And Father, I pray if there's one here this morning who doesn't know you, that today would be their day of salvation. Father, I pray today they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, realizing they can't do it on their own. The only way they can come to Christ is by giving their life to Him. Father, work in our hearts this morning. And may we read it to your Spirit. Father, we ask all these things in your name.